Morning, everybody. How are we doing post-spring break? Everybody okay? Yeah, you're not so sure. That's all right. That's all right. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts. We're returning to our study in Acts in Acts chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Feel free to go grab one. You can borrow it or keep it as you have need. Um, if you're a user of the Bible app, you can open that app right now. Find us either by geography or link off of one of our social media f- sites there. Um, follow along with the scriptures and sermon notes and all that kind of stuff. Okay, um, here we are. Let's pray together and then we'll, uh, then we'll get going. Uh, Father, your people are gathered today. We've sung your praises. We have offered to you our words. We have even, with the um, song just a, a song or two ago, we've offered to you our very lives, saying yes, Lord, to you. Yes to you. Um, and Lord, we've confessed our need for you. And we come to this moment right here with our Bibles open and say both of those things again. Yes, Lord, to your word being authoritative in our lives, Um, us not sitting in judgment of it, but it ruling over us. Um, And at the same time, Father, in the very same breath, confessing our need for you. Lord, we need you. We need you to speak to us. We need you to um, uh, um, help us to be conformed, not to this world, but to the image of your son. We need you. Father, to, by your spirit, um, speak the words of life to us. Where else are we going to find them? It's not going to be in the news. It's not going to be with talking heads on some show. You alone have the words of life. So um, we commit, God, to our, we, we set our yes on the table and we confess our need to you. And we ask now, Lord, for you to minister to us, speak to us, convict us, help us. Um, wherever we are, God, would you do the things that we need? And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Okay, so uh, today I'm going to try to um, approach in a semi-lighthearted form uh, <clears throat> a very serious topic. How to have a church fight. Everybody up for that? Um, I did a quick survey of people that I could find. Yeah, a couple of you got your dukes up already. Uh, I did a quick survey of people that I could find this week uh, about the stupidest church fights that they have been a part of or heard about. And let me just tell you, there's some goodies, okay? In addition to the normal carpet and paint color and general decor issues, you have those things. Um, The location of the piano was a fight. And then, just to carry that on, whether or not they should buy the special shoes for the pianist because they didn't always like how the heels of the pianist hit the pedals on the piano. Like this was a fight. That's a problem right there. That's a problem. Um, One of them, I made a list here. Uh, they built a multi-purpose facility, to a gym, gym kind of thing, to reach the community. And then they had a fight about whether teenagers could actually use it. That's money well spent. Uh, uh, you, you certainly have dress code issues, you know, whether or not women should um, wear pants um, and so on. Um, one of my favorite was, what ply of toilet paper do we buy? This was a fight at a church, no kidding. In part, that was an issue because the teenagers were stealing the toilet paper to wrap one another's houses, and so they didn't want to buy the real good stuff because it was just being stolen. Uh, maybe my favorite slash least favorite was uh, 
there was a conversation in the church about having a covered awning between the fellowship hall and the worship center. You know, like a covered walkway. And the, and the, the, the response, the fight was, no, we can't do that because we can't connect what happens in the fellowship hall with the worship center because the worship center is holy and the fellowship hall, not so much. What is going on in the fellowship hall? I mean, like, good night. So today I, I want to talk about um, a church fight. In this next kind of four or, f- four or so weeks, we'll be under this theme of the church versus. And today we've got the church versus religion. Um, and because uh, what, what you'll see in Acts chapter 15 is that, that that's the issue, is that it's the church versus religion. And really my job today, I think, um, is just to tour guide you through this passage. And so uh, we're not going to like break it up in a ton, and there will be some notes and stuff that appear on the screen. But mainly, I'm just trying to point out the features as we walk through the passage here. Um, so just a, a quick catch up. Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas have gone on their first missionary journey. They landed at Cyprus and then went through the southern part of what is modern-day Turkey and returned to Antioch of Syria, okay? And, uh, and they are there uh, ministering, and, and that's kind of where things are there. And then we start here in chapter 15, verse 1. But some men came down from Judea to Antioch, is where they were coming to, and were teaching the brothers that unless you are cir- circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved, Verse 2, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension with them. Now that's Luke's very polite way of saying there was a, somebody help me, a church fight. That's what there was. No small dissension with them and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and, brought, and it, uh, that brought great joy to all of the brothers and the sisters there. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. And we're going to pause right there for just a second, okay? And here's why. Uh, Because there are some things that we as a church, I'm willing to go to the mat for. I'm willing to fight for. But it all kind of falls under the heading of the first big thing that you and I need to be aware of. And we'll talk specifically about what's happening here in chapter 15 and just say it. But the first big thing that you and I need to be aware of is if we're going to fight about something, let's, let's fight about something that matters. Carpet color? Nope. Mm-mm. Awning between two buildings? No, not so much. Location of the piano? Mm-mm. If we're going to fight about something, let's fight about something that matters. I was thinking a lot this week about the things that I personally, as your pastor, would go to the mat for. Here's one of them. The, the, the um, inspiration and authority and sufficiency of the scripture. Like the Bible that you have in front of you, come, it is the word of God and it is sufficient, meaning it, is, it tells us everything that we need to know in order to know, love, and follow this God who has saved us. Now, wh- why would I go to the mat for that? Well, but you remember this graphic from, what, four or five weeks ago now, that we would be saturated with the scripture. Like, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, that it's in our DNA, I'm telling you, I'm willing to fight for that. 
Here's another thing that I'd be willing uh, to fight for. That transformation is better than behavior modification. Genuine change from the inside is a way better and more biblical and, frankly, the thing that God calls us to. It is a better plan than behavior modification, than just changing the way that we act, external conformity uh, to a set of rules. Why, Why is this important? Well, because you remember, again, this from a few weeks ago, this is gospel transformation. We are changed by the gospel. A third thing that I'm willing to to fight for, um, that everybody is welcome here. Everybody. Don't care what your situation is. Don't care. I had a conversation with one of our guys just a few minutes ago. He said, man, some of you, I think he posted on Facebook. Some of you may have seen this. Man, I saw a guy in a beer aisle at Kroger and I invited him to church. I'm not sure they'd take us over here. If he showed up, I would be ecstatic and I would want you to be ecstatic too. Why? Because everybody needs the gospel. The reason why everyone is welcome is because why? Everybody needs the gospel. It doesn't matter what your status is, how rich or famous you are, or how unrich or unfamous you are, um, what your struggles are, what your past sins are, what your current sins are, how you are bent um, in, in the inclinations that you have, what your political leanings are. It doesn't matter. Everybody's welcome because everybody needs the gospel. You want to fight about something? We'll fight about that. That's for sure. Everybody needs it. And and we said it this way, again, just a few weeks ago. I'm trying to reinforce a little bit what we talked about. Neighbor is a verb. We we get to neighbor people. We get to make neighbors of those around us. And the last one um, uh, here in in this list, things that we, I think, would fight about, is essentially what I would call just the essentials of the gospel, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. You want to duke it out about that? We'll We'll go to the mat on that right there. Um, these are not things that we will surrender, is what I'm saying. And so today's passage really is about those last two. The, that is everybody welcome and the essentials of the gospel. Why? Because their question, this was the big question for this church fight. Do you have to become a Jew first in order to become a Christian? That's what they said in verse 1 and then again in verse 6. It's necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. So let's make them Jews via circumcision first. Then, then they can become Christians. That deals with, is everybody welcome? Are Gentiles really welcome? And it deals with, what are the essence, what are the essentials of the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So this is what we're fighting here, what we're seeing in in chapter 15, okay? So uh, uh, Peter starts off with his answer. Look at verse 6. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter um, stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What's he referencing? If you're, if you're a note taker or you're a writer in your Bible, you can write Acts chapter 10. Because in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter has a vision of these animals coming down. This dietary uh, change is happening. And, and he says, look, I, I've never eaten anything unclean. Jesus says to him, look, don't, don't you call unclean what I've called clean. Rise and eat. And, and he says, by the way, I'm sending you three guys. Go with them. He goes with them. He preaches the gospel to a Gentile named Cornelius. And there the gospel uh, is, is sent out um, to those who are not of the Jewish faith. So he's referencing that in verse 7. And then he kind of has um, uh, a... a um, 
an experiential way of talking about this with Cornelius, and he's got a theological way of talking about this in verse 8, 9, 10, 11. Here we go. You ready? And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. Just as he did to us. So how did the Holy Spirit come upon them? Acts chapter 2, they were there praying, and the Holy Spirit just came. They didn't conjure him up. They didn't do the dance. They didn't do any of those things. What happened? The Holy Spirit just came. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is preaching to these Gentiles, and as he's preaching, the Spirit of God interrupted his sermon. Can you believe this? Right in the middle of the sermon, the Spirit falls, and these Gentiles start doing the same things that the Jewish people did. So he gave it to them just, uh, just as he did to us, verse 9. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by Faith, not by their works, not by becoming Jews, but by faith. Verse 10, now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as we, excuse me, just as they will. Okay, so uh, Peter's answer goes something like this. Do you have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian? Peter says, no. Don't add to the gospel. Don't do it. The gospel is sufficient to save anyone and everyone who comes to Jesus in faith. So the good news for you and for me in here is that some of you have some really messed up lives. And some of you have messed up lives that are just pretty. Oh, yeah. See, I was off last week. I came loaded for bear today. Some of us have messed up lives and people can see it. Some of us have messed up lives and it's just pretty. Here's the thing though. The gospel is good news for both of those groups. You do not have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be, um, you know, conformed, if you will, to, to, to some religious standard before God and then become a Christian. Instead, Jesus accepts you just as you are. No matter your shade or type of brokenness, he accepts you just as you are. And Peter's answer is no, don't add to the gospel. Don't do that. Peter said, hey, look, um, this happened with Cornelius. And then he says, he's got a theological reason for it. Look at verse nine and then verse 11. He made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts. How? By faith. And then verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. So Jews got saved by grace. Gentiles got saved by grace. Everybody gets saved by grace. So there's a theological reason for this. And furthermore, and he mentions this in verse 10, he has kind of an experiential reason for this. Uh, now, therefore, why are you putting to God, putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? When he says, nor we have been able to bear, there was a time when Peter went up to Antioch. And then some, some guys from Jerusalem came to Antioch too. And Peter withdrew from the Gentiles and only ate with the Jews. This is described in Galatians chapter 2. And Paul says this. Paul gets up in Peter's face. You talk about another good church fight. Paul the apostle stands up to Peter the apostle, looks him in square, I mean nose to nose and goes, look, your conduct, don't miss this. This is Galatians 2. Your conduct is not in step with the gospel. The issue is a gospel issue. The issue is... What does, it, what does it mean to really know and follow Jesus? 
Your conduct is not in self. So Peter has a theological reason for this. He has a ministry reason for this. Cornelius, theological. It's only by grace. And then he, he himself has his own experiential version of this because he, he took one to the nose from Paul and saying, hey, you're right. So Peter said, no, 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 no. Don't you add to the gospel. Don't you make people become Jews first and then Christians. That's not how we roll around here. Verse 12. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And in verse 13, and after they finished speaking, James replied, um, brothers, listen to me. This is James, the, the, the brother of Jesus. Uh, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related, that's Peter, Simeon has related um, how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. Previously, he had rescued his people from the Gentiles. Now he's taking people of the Gentiles and making them a people for his name. Verse 15. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. Don't miss this. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Okay, and so he's quoting Amos chapter 9 there. And so James's answer goes something like this. Um, this is what the Bible said was going to happen. So the question, do they need to become Gent- Excuse me, Jews and then become Christians? What's James's answer? No, no. Don't take away from the gospel. Peter says, don't add to the gospel. James' answer is, don't take away from the gospel either. Because what, if you are, what you're doing is, this is what the Bible has said was going to happen. So you're declaring this is null and void. You're like jerking parts of the Bible. Just write out. Not just, I don't like that part. Let's pull it out. God is going to, James saying from Amos, God is going to save people from the Gentiles. And so when James comes along and says, don't take away um, from the gospel, he's saying this was what was written. This was what God said was going to happen. Don't miss that. So the the gospel for, for James, for Peter, for others, the gospel is such good news that it cannot be for some homogenous group. It, it, is, it cannot be an ethnic um, message. It's an evangelistic message. It has to go out. It's not just for one group. Um, it is for everybody. That, that's the news that, that James says. We, we don't. So when, when we comes to only fighting about something that matters, let me pause here and say this. We fight. Do we fight for unity? Yes. James does this too in just a second. But we fight from a place that says, hey, we are unified about these beliefs. Because if I start compromising on my beliefs, I have a club, not a church, that I'm a part of. Oh, well, I just, you let you do that. I'll do this thing over here. I have a place on which I stand. But I am not, I am not going to compromise on the things that, uh, that I am standing on. The gospel, for instance. If everybody is welcome or not. This is the issue in, in Acts chapter 15. So, Peter's answer, no, do not add to the gospel. James's answer, no, don't take away from the gospel. What's the question again? Do you have to be Jews first in order to be Christians? What's the answer? No, no, you do not. Now, James, as the kind of leader of the Jerusalem church, um, has some, then, has some things that, that unfold for him. And, and he says, now, as a good leader, he's like, hey, let's, now let's, let's move forward in peace. Now that we've got the answer, 
Let's move forward in peace. Let's only fight about things that matter. But now that we've got that squared up, let's, let's move forward. Verse 19. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. So we're not going to m- make them become Jews. Verse 20, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogue. Now, let's just... You could get lost in this. I want you to. Here's how we want uh, to be at peace. These abstentions that he's talking about were mainly related uh, to, to idolatry um, and to immorality. Okay? Idolatry and immorality. Those two words. Um, uh, they did not want Gentiles who turned to God uh, to be idol worshipers or eat food that was sacrificed to idols in ways that were inappropriate. And they didn't want them to be immoral like all the other people who were worshiping at the, at the, uh, with cult prostitutes and at the temples of the false gods and all this kind of stuff. Now, why would James say something like this? Because this is the way of Jesus, right? I mean, this is, there's an ethical and theological reason for this. But also, it was not only because of that, because it, was, um, it, it mattered to the church as they lived this out, and it mattered to their witness as they lived this out. Jews and Gentiles were living there in the same cities um, and some in the same churches. And so if you're a person who grew up religious, um, as a Jew, for instance, uh, and, and you, somebody comes in who just comes to, comes to know Jesus and they're still immoral and they've still got all this other stuff and they you know, eat the food, sacrifice to idols and stuff, you as a Jew are thinking, I can't do this, man. I can't do this. I'm out. Or they can't do this. They need to go. These abstentions that James talked about, they mattered because of how they affected those in the church and how they affected the witness of the church. What the church could say in that moment was, hey, these lives are genuinely being transformed. They don't have to uh, fit themselves in to some uh, um, standard, but this is the way that we should live together. This is the way that we should be at peace together. This is how this should go. So when you have a a good... um, church fight, so to speak, the, the, the takeaway goes something like this. There are things that we collectively have agreed to do. Yes and amen to that. And, and there are preferences that I need to lay down. That's how we live at peace. Let's only fight about things that matter. And there are things that we've agreed to do. Yes. Idolatry, immorality. Let's stay away from those two things. Furthermore, uh, for the sake of unity in the body, for the sake of witness to the church, or the witness of the church, um, there are some preferences that I need to lay down. So what would some of those be modern, right, just in our day? Uh, anybody have any preferences about music? Anybody? I'm just checking. If, if I looked at your, uh, you know, depending upon which generation you are, your CD collection or your Spotify playlist, that would be actually an interesting thing to know how many of you have a CD collection versus a Spotify playlist. But um, if I look, you know what, you would have some songs that, that would not be preferable to me. And if you had some over here, you would have some songs that would not. And you'd have some songs that I like and some songs that I, I'm saying that to say music is a very, it's a, it's a preference. So we, we set those kinds of things down. Um, 
programs within the church. Do we do this? Do we do that? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? We set some of these preferences down, traditions, norms. We could go on for the, for the uh, sake of the lives affected by this and for the sake of the witness of the church. We say, hey, there are things we agreed to do. The rest of it, we just recognize it's preference. That's, that's the big takeaway, James saying, now live at peace. Now, and then finally, <clears throat> they, they, write this, they write this letter. This is the resolution to this church fight. Verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They, uh, they sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers. They sent them with the following letter. So James and the elders and the apostles write this letter, okay? And they sent it with Paul and Barnabas, the guys who started the fight, so to speak. And they sent it with Judas um, and with Silas. Verse 20, or excuse me, in the middle of verse 23 there. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are at the Gentiles, who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cecilia, Cilicia, excuse me, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your mind, although we gave them no instructions. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the sake, excuse me, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you about the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden than these requirements. You abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well, farewell. Now, here's the resolution. Let's just start here. Only fight about things that matter. This is key. Be followers first. What do you mean by that? Look at verse 28 again. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Don't get those out of order. You, you want to you have good resolution to a church squabble, to a church fight like they did here in Acts? Guess what? Let's keep that in the right order. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Why? Because temptation is to say, it seemed good to us, and surely, Holy Spirit, you're on board, right? Nobody's ever had that temptation before? To say, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. This is my preference. This is how I'm moving forward. You're on board with me, right, God? Be followers first. Second, um, lead in the small group and then announce in the large group. We do that a lot around here. And I, it's a principle that we pulled right from Acts chapter 15. What do they do? They had apostles and elders talking about this, right? And then they announced, they sent this letter out. It was, everybody was involved and it's, it's critical um, that you involve the right kinds of people. But there was leadership in the small group and then they announced um, in the larger group. If the large group pushes back significantly, maybe you didn't get it right. I mean, you may need to consider that. Be humble enough. Uh, you may need to rethink your strategy. But more or less, you lead in the small group and you do announcement in the big group. And then the last part was just be wise in how you communicate. And that could be true about any squabble that you have in your office or otherwise. I just point out these couple of things. Who started the fight? Paul and Barnabas did. Remember that from the first part of Acts chapter 15? And then it said, look at verse 25. It seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our, and then what's it say? Beloved Barnabas 
and pull. So here are the elders, and what do they say? Hey, these are our people. You don't need to, you don't need to be angry at them. They're beloved. They're our people. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they, they, they listen, affirmation is a healing salve. It really is. And when you hold any leadership position, and if you will put your arm around somebody, no matter your, no matter your position in your office or anywhere else, if you hold a leadership position, put your arm around somebody, it's a healing salve. It really is. Affirmation is. They risk their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 27, and then they don't let up. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. So why do they send Judas and Silas? Because that way the church would know Paul and Barnabas aren't just making this stuff up. They were really wise in how they communicated. And then look at the, res- the, the final thing here. Look at what happened. Verse 30. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. Verse 31. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. The church fight ended with rejoicing and encouragement. Joy and encouragement. I love that. Why? Because not every argument has to be about something petty, and not every argument has to be a bloodletting. I mean, it really can end with joy and encouragement if we follow first, if we'll commit to only fight about the things that matter, if we'll be wise in how we speak to one another, communicate to one another, if we'll do leadership in the context that it's appropriate. There are ways that we can navigate to these things. Now, here's the question. So is the church getting ready to have? No, no. This church is not getting ready to have a fight as far as I know. This is just Acts chapter 15. It's what comes after chapter 14. I probably should have said that at the front end. (laughs) I think, though, I think for me, the big takeaway from this passage for me goes like this. Let's commit to the things that matter. Let's commit to those. And then secondly, let's be willing for the sake of unity and witness to lay down our preferences so that God can be glorified through us, so that we can be uh, um, together in this. And so that's where I want to leave it for you to say the good news is, is that the, Jesus doesn't require us to become anything before we become Christians. The the gospel is such good news because it takes all types, all your stuff, all your problems, all your baggage, all your issues, all your things that you've faced, all the things that you're facing now. You don't have to become something else in order to really, uh, in order to be embraced by him. That's worth celebrating. That's worth being encouraged about. That's worth joy and encouragement. That's, that's worth being, experiencing that. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that God would give us that kind of joy and encouragement from that word right there. You don't have to become anything before you become a Christian. Jesus takes you just like you are. Let's pray.